the name of the holy and undivided Trinity. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. I, before I even start, I have to just say a word of thanks to Martha and to Ed, because you have no idea what music it is to my ears to hear people read this way, especially after years ago moving to, uh, moving to Chicago, where they ended each reading with, thanks be to Gad. <laughs> I love the way you do it here. So much better. Now, because this is a difficult gospel, again, I seem to draw these difficult ones. Again, yeah, I had the unjust steward last time, and now I have the unjust judge. So there seems to be a little theme going here. I'm going to resort to one of my favorite uh, theological sources, The Simpsons. And I even brought because I knew it would help. I brought along a, uh, a prop, and that is uh, Homer's, uh, Homer's donut, so I may have a little bit of that. So in an early episode of The Simpsons, there is a, a strong desire on the part of Bart and Lisa to go visit the local water park. It's called Mount Splashmore. And they want to go, but they don't have any good reason to go. So instead of trying to present Homer with reasons why they should go, they instead just tried to wear him down. So for scene after scene after scene, as it changed and they drove all over town and ran errands and everything, it was back and forth, the two of them in unison. Can we go to Mount Splashmore? No. Can we go to Mount Splashmore? No. Can we go to Mount Splashmore? No. Switch to the car. Can we go to Mount Splashmore? No. Can we go to Mount Splashmore? No. And eventually, eventually, Homer relented. And not because he thought they were right, and not because it would bring them joy, but because he was just sick of hearing them ask for it. So they finally, he finally relented. They got what they wanted. That is what's going on in this gospel. This widow who is, in fact, in great need, who has a legitimate need to be connected to justice, nonetheless isn't getting anyone from the person whose job it is to administer justice. That's the unjust judge. And so what does she do? She stands outside his door. And every single time she runs into him, she demands justice. This is the same thing that people do today in the Capitol building. They wait outside Senate and House office buildings, waiting for a legislator to walk out. And then they demand justice. And sometimes, like Bart and Lisa, they're right. And sometimes, like Bart and Lisa, they're wrong as to what they're asking for. But that isn't the point. The point is that their perseverance is worth it. Their perseverance matters. This morning's gospel is clearly about the relationship between justice and persevering in prayer. Justice and persevering in prayer. 
we Christians tend to be quick to pray the first time, and then if we don't get what we want, we say it didn't work, or God didn't answer our prayer, or sometimes the answer is just no. We've got all kinds of reasons, but the one reason we tend not to pursue so much is the idea that we need to return to the issue over and over and over again. And that is particularly true of justice issues. My friend David, I met him when I lived in Palm Desert and he was the news director at the local NBC station um, and then he moved to a bigger market. He's now the news director at Fox 11 in Los Angeles. And David is fond of posting the same meme, the same photo, um, every time there's one of these mass, these senseless mass shootings. He posts this picture of a dump truck in a junkyard, backing up, dumping a bunch of garbage into the junkyard, and the sign on the side of the, of the truck says, Thoughts and prayers. Now, as somebody who likes a wickedly uh, uncomfortable joke, I love it. As a priest who believes in prayer, I'm horrified. Not because I'm offended by David. I think David is getting it right. I'm horrified at how it indicts me, about how quickly I will abandon my prayers when I have a sense that they're just not working. God must not be listening. Now, justice is an important concept in our faith, and not just ours, but the faith of the Jews that we inherited. So, justice issues are written about throughout the New Testament, but even more in the Old Testament, where Isaiah says, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. And in Deuteronomy, justice and only justice you shall pursue, that you may live and possess the land which, your Lord, which the Lord your God is giving you. And then later, cursed is he who distorts the justice due to an alien, orphan, and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now, in our own time, and in our parents' time, and in every time, justice issues abound. If we think about just watching the news just this week, we'll find questions of international business justice, international governmental justice, domestic justice between states and at our borders, justice with the homeless here in Austin, justice within our own Episcopal Church, and justice here at St. Margaret. St. Margaret. Yeah, all same. Okay, they're docking my pay for a week for that one. <laughs> Margaret was one of the saints, I just want to point out. So. Ugh. I'd say that we have to edit the recording, except we already did that at eight, so. <laughs> Justice, it is a big, big issue. And it is tempting for us to lose that connection between justice and prayer and believe that we have to choose 
between simply keeping you in our prayers, okay, or changing our strategy from prayer to action, forgetting that both are called for, both are part of our Christian tradition, and both are extremely essential. So we read the story of this unjust judge, and I think it's no accident that it's not just any person pleading to this powerful person for justice, but a widow, someone who in that time would have had no standing, someone who urgently needed justice day in and day out, and being unable to get it. And how do we as Christians think about this? I think the answer might be found in the first and last sentence of the gospel this morning. In Luke 18, chapter 1, at the very beginning, the gospel reading says, Jesus told his disciples a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. You can tell just from the way that that is written that that was added later, which it was. But it's because in the parables, they sometimes are so um, difficult to decipher that editors along the way add these little parenthetical comments explaining the parables either before or after or both. So Jesus told a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. Now the conventional way of understanding not losing heart is to not lose patience, not lose um, our tolerance for the answer being no, not losing our ability just to keep trying and wait and wait and wait, don't lose heart. But there's a way of understanding heart that means our very being and our action. Do not lose heart, do not lose the desire to take action and the will to be faithful and take action. Which takes me to the other end of the gospel, to this notion of faithfulness. The first time I have to uh, admit, when I read this, preparing for this sermon, I was reading the gospel and I got to the very end and it says, I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And then I got thrown by this last line. I thought, why is that even in there? And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I, and I honestly did not know why that was there for a minute and, and had to think it through. Will he not find faith on earth? Meaning, will Jesus, when he comes again, find people who still have the miraculous expectation that God will act? Will Jesus still find people praying because prayer changes lives? Sometimes it changes the lives of the people we're praying for, and at least as often it changes the lives of the people doing the praying. And again, read a, read a story. I didn't make this one up, but uh, there was a, a story I read recently about a woman who was taking a Bible study class. And she said to her priest, you know, I've noticed in the last year while I've taken my Bible study class that uh, your preaching has gotten much better. <laughs> and your understanding of scripture has gotten much better and he said I think that in the last year your hearing of my preaching has gotten much better and that your understanding of the scriptures has gotten much better 
The idea is that sometimes the way we listen, the way that we pray, changes us along the way. And so, and yet, as the Son of Man comes, will the Son of Man, he, find faith on earth? Well, I can push the word faith closer to hope, a willingness to continue to pray, or I could say the word as it really is. It means fidelity. It means willingness to act out of trust. Willingness to act not just out of belief, but out of knowing the person you believe. So, when the Son of Man comes, and this is where I get caught up short, I wonder, will he find that we have been faithful as we act for justice? My friend George Council was a priest at Holy Spirit in Lake Forest, Illinois, and sponsored me for ordination, for which I'm very grateful. He went on to become the Bishop of New Jersey, and he died last year. But in 2001, he wrote this. He said, in last August, my wife, Ruth, and I were blessed to be able to spend some time on an island in Maine where I led Sunday services in a summer chapel. Grocery shopping, touring, visits with friends took us off the island three or four times a week. The brief trip across a small bay to the mainland took, it, took us past many lobster boats. One day we passed a small boat with two men at work hauling up their trap, checking the size of their catch, tossing some back, placing others in bins, replacing the bait, and lowering the trap as they moved on. It was all one furious but smooth action. I thought about how many times a day they went about this little liturgy, this well-rehearsed motion of their livelihood. And then I saw the name of their boat, Perseverance. And I thought, that's my boat. That's everyone's boat. And he refers to a fourfold Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with discomfort, with easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships, so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger and injustice, oppression and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. And the blessing of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and all you love and pray for this day and forevermore. Amen.